previously on Trust Me, I'm an Adventurer. We're investigating the disappearance of Clockwork Jenkins, who frankly doesn't even deserve the title of Clockwork Jenkins anymore. I, uh, I call out to him. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Sue, I, I need help. Please, please let me on board. Please help me. Well, I think we should let him up onto the boat. I'd like to hear more of what he's going through. Two more people appear at the tree line. It is two more people in the same attire that he's wearing. These are our two additional warriors of Sue. The guy who's up on the boat with you looks like a normal guy. And these two things approaching look like monsters. I could freeze the water around them behind us. Well, there's no way this could go wrong. As you near the encampment, something blocks your path. It's a dog, an enormous dog. Its eyes glow and it snarls. As you draw close to the encampment, this very magic-looking dog, who is just enormous, barrels in front of you and is snarling and very, very aggressive-looking. What do you do? Ooh, uh, I cast a protection spell on us. I would like to put a protection barrier around us. Unfortunately, it does also mean that it might trap us in a bubble with anyone else that I'm casting it on. I would say the consequence here is whatever kind of protection you rig up might have a damaging effect to go with it. Like a magical barrier, you might singe anybody who gets too close. If you try and break up a fire barrier, you might catch something on fire. I'll go with it. Fire barrier. So, uh, so roll plus int. Okay, okay. And you got an eight. On a seven through a nine, you manage to wrangle enough details from your memory on how to cast the spell, and you create the desired effect. You also suffer the cost, risk, or consequence that the GM named. However, in addition, the GM will tell you a secondary magical effect you cause as you use details of how to cast other spells to fill in the gaps in your memory. You whip off a protection spell really fast, and this huge wall of fire rears up. You definitely see that there is some brush off to the side that's starting to smolder. You have no idea where this dog is now because you can't see in front of you. Well, I protected us. Uh, I mean, I can't see him. So I mm, I guess I want to just sort of back up, do myself as like a much distance between this wall and the potential threat as possible. As you back up, you realize the secondary magical effect of this is that there is another protective barrier. So you back up a couple of steps and you bump up against this and you realize you only have five or six feet between you and the wall of fire. And that's all you're going to be able to make. All right. Uh, I have my um, sort of like, look. Hey, that's a pretty good force field, though. I mean, it's pretty decent. It's pretty decent. Uh, it doesn't help us necessarily, but it's decent. 
I sort of draw my sword, my sort of short sword thing, and 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 I guess I'm just gonna be ready. You know, I'm gonna for when either something comes through that thing or it dies down. Geldor, what do you do? I excitedly observe my force field, and then I draw my hammer sword to be safe. Oh yes, your hammer sword. Describe your hammer sword. I have a sword of my own invention, which is very much the combination of a hammer and a sword. It has the best qualities of both. It has a very large blade. When I press the button on the handle, it can swing itself as if it's a self-beating hammer. So I don't actually have to swing it to strike it. I love this thing. This is like my favorite weird uh, artificer item ever. It's, uh, it's a weapon of my own invention. You guys kind of brace yourself for what's to come. And Joshua was pretty much doing the same thing. He seems really confused, really thrown off by whatever's going on. You see him go off to the side and, and try and stamp out some of the things that, that are on fire but aren't part of the magical wall. After a moment, you hear a woman's voice call out from behind where the dog would have been. What the hell is going on here? I cast a spell. It's like, well, I can see that. Why? Call off your dog. Okay, Gusset. Gusset, come over here. The growling gets a little bit quieter. It's kind of hard to hear over the crackling of the, the wall of fire. She's like, all right, the, the dog is over here with me. Who are you? Is this wall of fire still, like, between us? Is that? I attempt to call off my wall of fire. I would love, to, I would love for that to happen. Um, yeah, why don't, you, uh, why don't you just roll plus intelligence and, and see how you do. <laughs> Thanks. Hey! All right. All right. So, uh, yeah, so you roll an eight. You don't quite manage to remember how to dispel a magical wall, but you do remember that there's a, there's some magical water spells that you can figure out that will probably take care of this. So you you put the two of them together and you wave your hands and the, the wall of fire gets rained out by a magical a magical rainstorm that appears just over it. It's uh, it's suddenly very steamy and humid right where you are, but your your wall is out. Hey, I did it. Beyond the wall, you see a woman looking very much like she is in charge of this place, decked out in some fairly expensive looking armor, a sword protruding from over each shoulder. The dog is curled up at her feet. Hey, Findor, look at that tall, thin woman decked out in expensive armor with a sword over each shoulder. She looks like she's in charge. Yeah, yeah, I see her. I see her. I sort of, you know, raise my hand at her. And I'm like, like hello, hi, I'm, I'm Findor, this is Geldor. Uh, hi. Who are you? She says, my name is Catherine. What the hell is going on here? She is just, well, that's sort of, she's never really had somebody show up and just conjure fire before. Well, well it's, it's a long story. Well, I, it, it started a while ago in a place called Bloody Druze, where Findor was waiting for me to arrive. And then I arrived uh, and I found him and I sat down and showed him a bunch of coin that we got. Uh, and told him uh, about how we were hired, and then we decided to build a boat. What the hell are you talking about? What were you hired for? Uh, were you hired to build a boat? Is that what this is? I sort of step in front of Galdor, and I, I push him aside. We're looking for clockwork 
Jenkins. Have you seen Clockwork Jenkins? Jenkins. He hasn't been here in a while. He should have been here last week sometime, but he didn't show. I just kind of assumed that the uh, that the university wasn't going to send him as regularly since it's now just the two of us here. No, no. They sent a shipment. He set sail up the river. No, he hasn't been Pardon. here. No. He set sail and never came back. When was the last time you saw it? Probably about a month ago. Most of the university staff packed in and we took everything that we we dug up to that point, uh, loaded onto a ship, and they all sent, set sail back to Deva. If he was supposed to be here, he should have been here ages ago. It's been three weeks. About three weeks ago. We haven't seen him. And what's kept you so distracted that you haven't noticed him not being here in three weeks? We just haven't been running as tight a ship. It's just the two of us. We've got stores to keep us for quite some time, and we can keep ourselves going hunting if we have to. Hmm. Okay, well, well, Clockwork Jenkins was supposed to be here, and apparently he's just slipped off into another dimension or something. That's worrying. The university really didn't didn't really trust a lot of people with with any kind of information about what we're doing. I think Jenkins, I think everybody knew he was trustworthy in a way that most sailors most merchant sailors especially really aren't and then she she shakes her head and she's mm. like sorry the sudden fire threw me off why don't you why don't you come in it's getting near lunchtime let's eat and you can you can tell us whatever whatever else you you know and she kind of gestures with her head and she and Gus at the dog head over towards one of the established buildings yeah, I, I follow her. Um, and, and, and during that time, like, on, you know, in between here and there, however far it is, you know, I take a look around. I just want to sort of understanding my surroundings, see what's where and if there's anything of particular interest or, or anything like that. OK, so discern realities. When you closely study a situation or person, roll plus wisdom. On a 10 plus, you can ask the GM three questions from the list below. On a 7 through a 9, you can ask one. And then you'll take plus one forward when acting on the answer. Questions are, what happened here recently? What is about to happen? What should I be on the lookout for? What here is useful or valuable to me? Who's really in control here? And what here is not what it appears to be? Yeah, you're moving at a, a fairly slow pace. You've got a fair amount of time to, to study. It's not a huge distance. It's, it's a building that you can see in the background from where you are. But go ahead and uh, roll plus with 13. Uh, yeah, so you can ask me three of those questions. So what happened here recently? What you notice, first off, is that the camp, it doesn't look abandoned, but it looks like parts of it were taken down in a hurry. Parts of it that look like they would be pretty easy to pack up, like big pavilion tents and things like that, could you know very easily have been taken down and brought back with the university crew when they when they left the encampment. But for some reason haven't and there doesn't seem to be any kind of any scuffle it looks like the camp was taken down in a very haphazard manner great what is useful or valuable just looking around very quickly you see there's a supply cabin off to one side and there is a very clear piece of the ruin is a stretch of roadway in a in a modern city in a place like deva it would be like kind of a walking promenade. It's all cobblestone. It has a bunch of like decorative little half statues that run on either side of it. It kind of looks like if you need a path into the ruins, 
this is a safer one than the other kind of obvious easy ways to get in that you can see. Hmm. Uh, what here is not what it appears to be. So as you're as you're walking closer uh, where Catherine is leading you, you realize that the little half statues by the road are hinged, designed to not be really obvious, but all of them have the exact same thing. They seem like they're bases, which are probably about two feet wide. Each one of them is on a hinge, and you realize that it's probably covering something that a that a person could get down into. Hmm. Cool. And she leads you into this one room. Just looks like a like a canteen for a fairly large organization. You know, there's tables and chairs that could could easily accommodate about twenty people. Hmm. But there aren't twenty people in there. There's only one other, and it's a very studious looking young man. Gusset runs right up to him, and he pats her on the head and offers her a little a little treat. Then he realizes that that Catherine has come in with a couple of people, and he stands up and he looks very confused, and he kind of looks back and forth between everyone, and then just says hello. Hello. You realize that he didn't notice anything that was going on outside. He didn't hear the dog barking. He didn't hear any of the shouting. He didn't at any point notice, uh, you know, the wall of fire or anything else happening. He was very much wrapped up in whatever it was he was doing at the time. Well, hello, Mr. Strange Man, who we've never seen before that's sitting in a tent. What are you doing that's so preoccupied that you noticed nothing of the noise happening outside? Says, well, considering this is where I've been living for the last six months, you are probably the strange guy here. He gestures over to a couple of things that are sitting on the, the next table over. He's like, I was I was working. Who are you again? What you working on? I'm an archaeologist. You seen Clockwork Jenkins lately? And he just looks dumbfounded. He's like, Jenkins? I No, I, I haven't seen him in, in quite some time. And he looks over at Catherine, and, and she fills him in. He just kind of gets up, and he's like... And you can, you can almost see it in him, where he just doesn't want to deal with whatever terrible thing is has probably befallen Jenkins. And says, well, why don't we get you guys something to eat? And, and he just seems like he shuts off entirely you know he he really strikes you as the type who's like i am a researcher this is what i want to do i am just already sick of everything and just please leave me alone to to look at my look at my stuff that i dug up disappears over to the side and he comes back with serviceable food you know some stuff that's that's more preserved than you're you would generally be used to in in town hmm curiouser and curiouser Findor, you don't think they're feeding us Clockwork Jenkins, do you? Well, I do now. <laughs> Whoa. No, I didn't mean it like, well, I mean, they might be. I sort of inspect the, the food in front of me to, to uh, see if I can discern if it's uh, Clockwork Jenkins or not. I mean, it, it smells like preserved smoked turkey. You know, for all you know, that's what, uh, that's what gnomes smell like when they're, they're salted and preserved. But they they just kind of look at you. They're like, no, it, it it's fine. Whatever you're thinking is you very clearly are looking at this a little too closely. <laughs> and then you realize that Joshua just did not think of anything like that. And he is he is eating with gusto. Pleased as anything to have something that isn't trail rations. I gobble it up myself. Oh, this is pretty good. If it is Jenkins, at least they seasoned him well. 
so I, I started eating a little bit and then, and then I, you know, started asking questions about, about the camp. And I'm like, uh, so, so what happened here? Why, why has everybody left? Why are you two the only ones still here? She says, well, about three months ago, right around the beginning of summer, things got kind of strange. We cleared out another, another avenue and were able to get into a couple of buildings we'd seen, but couldn't really find a direct path to. And then some artifacts that we found came up missing. I don't know. It just felt like there were people here. We had some back and forths with people from the university. And as more things came up missing and as more artifacts that we dug up came up missing, the university decided to pull the plug. They didn't want to put researchers' lives at risk. They didn't want to keep spending more and more money replacing equipment. They were worried that this wasn't anything to do with with the university or with our research, they were worried that it was just a bunch of cutthroats that were holing up nearby and figured we were easy pickings and everybody piled onto the ship and, and went back. Except for us. She looks over at, at Mike and Mike gets that gleam again and he, he starts going on about some kind of work that he's doing, some kind of things that he's found. And I, none of it makes any sense to you. It's talking like he's talking to other Archaeologists, but you managed to glean from what he's saying that he was onto something that he thought was really important. He was willing to shoulder the risk if he could stay and keep researching. Did did Clockwork ever mention anything about these these sort of incidences? Did, like, did he experience anything? No. If he had any kind of issues, it's nothing he ever told us about. Now, I noticed something while we were on the way in. I noticed that a lot of the statues on the way in are hinged, almost as if they lead somewhere below us. Is it possible that rats are coming from below and taking the food? And Catherine kind of looks at you. She's like, well, from what we've been able to tell, it's just sewers down there. A lot of those statues are hinged and you can shift them out of the way and and climb down with no no real issue. But we've never seen anything really down there. It's entirely possible that there are rats here big enough to carry a, a barrel full of apples. It wouldn't be any rat that I've ever seen before. Hmm. And at that, you hear a crashing coming from outside. I get up to investigate the crash. Yeah. Okay, so I... you head outside and you see the building that you're in and all of the all of the more permanent structures here, they all have thatching. On the ground, you see a bunch of the thatching from this particular roof. You realize that this had all fallen pretty much from right above the door. There are a bunch of muddy footprints, and there is a figure running off in the distance. This is, uh, it looks like somebody was up on the roof, lost their footing, and fell, and they're not even really concerned about covering their tracks right now. I give chase. I follow you follow them they're they're headed into the ruins as you cross into that roadway you knew why it was called the cold ruins but you didn't really expect it to be as it is the surrounding area is fairly temperate it's getting into late summer nice and warm a lot of very typical summer days pretty much the second you set foot onto that that little cobblestone area the temperature drops you can feel more humidity. It's like all of a sudden you're in Seattle in March. It's just, it's very cool. You always feel like it's about to rain. You've all had plenty of experience with magic. 
but this seems to be on a scale that you've never really seen before. You pause for a second and you realize that he has disappeared down one of those hinged statues. He knocked it to the side pretty well and scurried down and pulled it behind him. I rush up to the statue and I attempt to start pushing it. It moves very, very easily. This thing looks like it's made of stone, feels like it's made of stone, but this big old heavy statue that's probably about two and a half to three feet tall moves like you've never pushed anything easier and slides open and reveals a tunnel leading down. There's rungs embedded into the wall to make a ladder leading down, and it seems to go down quite a ways. Should we head down? We should go. After you. After you. Uh, I start heading down. And you realize that you're the only two that took off after this guy. Uh, everyone else is still you know, over at the dormitory. And so down you go. It gets dark pretty quickly. This is definitely not the kind of not the kind of tube that reflects light down very well. You can just barely see when the rungs stop. There is ground not far below you. And uh, yeah, you drop down. It's about twilight kind of light in here. You can tell that if you go too very far forward in any direction that you're not going to uh, you're not going to be able to see very much for very far. But you know what? I know a spell for that.